This is Combat Mania on the Undetermined Podcast Network. You're listening to Combat Mania, Cheap Seat Sports Production Party Undetermined Podcast Network. It's episode number 10. It's Ty Dillinger's favorite episode. I'm your host as always, Tom Aldano. And I know it's been a little while, but we're here. And we're here for a special edition of Combat Mania. We have a big interview today. It is with one of the people I have looked up to since childhood, announcer-wise. One of the best announcers in professional wrestling history. A WWE Hall of Famer. One of the voices of my childhood, and now currently one of the commentators for New Japan Pro Wrestling on Axis TV. Yes, yes, I am talking about good old JR, Jim Ross. We talk about WrestleMania, which is just a few weeks away. We talk about the Hall of Fame, and I just get some insight from the mind of one of the greatest announcers in professional wrestling. So let's not waste any time and let's just throw it to that interview right now. Joining me now on Combat Mania is WWE Hall of Fame announcer Jim Ross. Jim, thank you so, so much for coming on. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So obviously the talk of WWE right now, or well, one of the big talk topics right now, is Ronda Rousey, the former UFC Women's Bantamweight Champion who made an appearance at the Royal Rumble, signed a full-time deal, Elimination Chamber, she signed her contract, and now she's going to be involved in a big mixed tag team match at WrestleMania. So, obviously, she hasn't had any in-ring action yet, but what are your thoughts so far on what Ronda has done so far in the early stages of her career? Well, I think Ronda's a great hire. It's a, it's a huge get for uh, WWE, without a doubt. I was watching uh, in California... When she got in the ring with The Rock and confronted uh, Stephanie and, and Hunter. Uh, and I felt it was really, I mean, I watched it on my iPad. I thought it was really great stuff. But stuff you can't really make, can't manufacture, I should say. And uh, so I had a good feel for it then. Didn't know it was going to come back around to this incarnation uh, here in 2018, but I'm glad that it is. And look, she's going to do fine. Uh, that match will have. They'll have plenty of opportunities to be ready, and uh, she's an amazing athlete with a huge pay-per-view following. Uh, there'll be a curiosity uh, viewing for some people just to see what the hell's going to go on. But I think it's a smart move by WWE. She's just she has global uh, global you know name identity, right? And and a lot of places where she can go with WWE. Give you an example. Uh, the UK. I don't think Ronda ever uh, the, the, had any major fights with the USC in the UK. I don't believe so. You're right. Most, most of her fights are, were here, you know, in the States. Mm-hmm. So now, and the, but the world still knows her. So now the WWE's got a new attraction, a new star that can uh, do great business, I think, in, uh, in, in, in multiple time zones. So good move by them. I'm, I'm glad they hired her. Definitely, and now that we're a week removed from uh, Fastlane, we're a week closer to WrestleMania. Other than the Ronda Rousey tag team match, uh, any other matches in particular that you're looking forward to? Well, you know, 
was in a one-on-one match. Uh, I, I'm really excited about how that's going to play out, how they're going to pair up, how they're going to mesh. Uh, I think that's really interesting. Uh, it could certainly be, in my view, a show closer at WrestleMania, Cena and Undertaker. The Charlotte Oscar match is extremely compelling to me. It's a great story. You got the Hulk Hogan like Charlotte at six one or two. Uh, big blonde, amazingly athletic, and against the the uh, the Empress, who is exotic, mysterious, a little unique, and she's never lost. It's just it's just a great story. And I saw on Twitter today. I'm on Twitter at JRSVVQ, by the way. So anybody wants to jump on. kind of writes itself. That's on April 8th. And speaking of New Japan, perfect segue into the next question. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what it's like commentating for New Japan compared to when you were commentating for the WWE at the height of the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era? I try. 
executive vice president of talent relations. So I had a vested interest in every single human being on that roster on a business and a personal level. They all meant something special. There are guys and gals. And uh, I recruited a lot of them. I signed a lot of them. Uh, you know, you help facilitate people to launch their career. Look at how some of these careers that we launched then, how they perpetuated and made these guys rich. Like the rock. I love that. I love that. So I, I did, I did, uh, recently did the Asian Christian podcast and uh, to promote my New Orleans stuff and my, everything I'm doing down there and my show and so forth and so on. And uh, it was like, uh, it was so rewarding to hear them enjoying themselves, working on that little, their, their podcast, the other projects that they both do. They have happy marital life. They have they have good wives. They have beautiful children. They got money in the bank. They're gainfully employed, and they bottom lines are good human beings. So I feel really it's really rewarding to be able to have been in a place and once in my life where I could help facilitate those dreams coming through. And uh, so, and a lot of the guys took advantage of it such as Edge and Christian, for example, one of two of many, mm -hmm. and ran with it. I mean, you know, how could we, how could anything be greater than The Rock going from a guy that had seven bucks to his name to what he is today? It's, it's nothing short of extraordinary. It's, it's almost mythical, Definitely. to be honest with you. Uh, but he's, he was always gifted and a special talent, but... You know, it's just that this whole thing, this whole run of the administrative side was really rewarding to me. I, one of my favorite things to do to this very day is uh, coach, for lack of a better word, mentor, that type thing. I enjoy that because when you were in a territory, you got that every night at your live event mm -hmm. from some of the older wrestlers or some of the guys in the car or the booker or the promoter or the referee. But you got all the job training daily. Uh, if you were lucky and got overbooked. So, uh, and they don't get that now. There's, the territories don't have a, you know, there's very few territories that's called a territory. So those opportunities to hear from others that have had experiences that might help you on your journey are uh, infrequent. So I enjoy the opportunity to be able to do that from time to time. And speaking of uh, mentoring, uh, you were involved commentary-wise during the early days of what NXT which is WWE's developmental system, which has now basically turned into a third brand of sorts. Talk a little bit about how far NXT has come under the vision of Triple H, his leadership, and what you've seen it's done to the WWE product. Well, it's like watching uh, the NFL Network and seeing some footage from the uh, various eras of the NFL in black and white or seeing the shape of football <laughs> in that era as opposed to now. You know, more rounder, wobbled. Uh, it was the game had a lot of nuances that have evolved over the years, and I would say the same thing about the business. You know, the we we realized art for our developmental program was not unlike the performance center, and the main goal, the primary goal, was to train, polish and get new prospects ready for primetime, main roster. Same with them, same goals now that we had then. 
and you know I, we we didn't have the facilities. Uh, we had to make shift things. We had a ring set in a warehouse at Stanford's at, uh, at the TV studio. It was inconvenient for a lot of people I know, and I really appreciate everybody's indulgence on that. But we had Tom Pritchard there. He did a phenomenal job. He's a Hall of Fame level trainer, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And Dory Jr. Who's Dory Jr., man? He's a funk. What the hell? Right. He's, you know, he's legendary, and he's got, he's a great coach, teacher. His school in Florida's good. So uh, we had good staff. We had Danny Davis and Rip Rogers, two amazing teachers, two, two brilliant guys this very, very day. If you have a chance to you follow them on Twitter or, or uh, get in a seminar or, or any interaction, if you're what. They're really brilliant guys, and they did a great job for us. But we sent them great talent. We sent them talent with high, well, we had high expectations for. And and whereas it's a different deal when you're in that way, because like I knew that when we sent Brock Lesnar to Louisville, uh, you know that he was going to be a special talent. But I also knew that if he was going to be a special talent, we could not pick him too green, as I would say. We can't bring him up when he's not ready. Uh, and, you know, he thought he was ready pretty much from day one. But you love that. Uh, physically, he was ready for anything. You know, grizzly bears, you know, wrestlers, it doesn't matter. So, uh, but we want to make sure he was ready to roll. So, uh, but those guys, the camp did good. And there was some makeshift facilities, you know, nickel and diamond it. You know, nobody's making any money in that group, but they had an opportunity to make money. You're going to get trained to be on the job training and with pay, with the prospect, if you do well, and you do it day, and you do it day to day, you put back-to-back-to-backs together that are good. You know, you, you, you make sure that you're consistent. You're doing all the right things in and out of the ring. Then you got a chance to go on the roster. And, you know, Edge and Christian were two guys that, I think when they're early on, they were making a couple hundred bucks a week from for art from my budget. They could do independent dates, right. keep that money, and then they went from doing that to making seven figures. That's a hell of a run, man. That's a great story. Definitely, and journey. all that stuff is overlooked because it's not as it's not as romantic as dirt and chaos and controversy. So and I get that too. I, I watch TMZ. I watch the art. The, the you know used to be legitimate news. It's all crazy. Everybody's got a politician in favor, and there's I just like objectivity. Just give me the news. I can make my own opinion if it was a tragedy or not. I I'll get that. You know. So anyway, that's another topic. <laughs> no, another I feel topic. you. I feel you on that. Um, so, who do you feel is one superstar that WWE has? Push right. Do you like where they are? Do you think there's a superstar that could do more, is a little more underrated, let's say? Oh, they, they've uh, done a good job of, uh, you know, they had a big transitional period there in WWE. And that when, you, when you have a bunch of new faces, the old adage is true you can't get multiple people over at the same time. If you have a battle royal, the intent of the battle royal is to make sure that the guy that wins it is over and the closing moments are dramatic. And maybe those those involved in the closing moments can uh, uh, benefit from their exposure as they should. It should be booked that way. They should execute it that way. That should be their mindset. Uh, so I think they've done a good job building a lot of people. I think 
fan of his. Uh, you know, I, when I talked to him at the Tokyo Dome before Wrestle Kingdom 9, he was telling me about the, that his influences were Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson. And at the same time, I got guys telling me, you know, he, he really is a legit badass. <laughs> he's an MMA guy. He's no he's shoot fighting and all that stuff. He don't he doesn't parlay it, but he can take care of himself. But I saw a more aggressive Shinsuke Nakamura in New Japan than I have seen to my eyes uh, in WWE, which is why uh, the AJ Styles Nakamura match at WrestleMania is one that if you're any wrestler on the, on the card, you do not want to follow immediately, as I've mentioned. Right. So uh, I think that'll be a, a good thing for uh, to let Shinsuke kind of break out of WrestleMania, so to speak. Uh, oh, golly, I don't know. I, I, I'm intrigued with this card. It's really, uh, you know, the mixed tags. We've talked, you know, I love that. I love Charlotte and Oscar. Uh, seeing an Undertaker was one of my sentimental favorite to close the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but there's, it's just amazing, you know, when you put all of it together and look at it horizontally, the card's deep. It's stacked, yeah. And it's also indicative, uh, indicative here of, uh, you know, the, the carving, that roster are becoming, having more depth. And that's exactly what they're striving to do. Now, the key thing is, you just have a certain level of talent that are, 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 are quote-unquote superstars. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference, there's a gap now between the superstars and the main event guys. Big gap. And that's the biggest step a lot of guys have got to take. You got to be able to be you got to be able to go on last on any card and have the best match. And if that's impossible, then you're in the wrong. You book wrong. But if it's attainable, then you book right. So uh, if you got any to have the best match on a card and you're closing the big show, you should, that should be the best match on the card. In my view, best best presentation. Now, some people say, well, if you close the Cena and Undertaker, they're not going to do any, too many topes or moonsaults off to the floor. Nope. Bingo. They're not going to do any, by the way, I would suggest. Right. <laughs> they may tell a story and get and sell and get me wrapped into the, the moment of their drama of two of the greatest of all time on this amazing stage, seeing who is the better man on this day. And for them, that's everything. That's how I'd sell that match. It's just a personal, they represent a career work, a body of work that's a, that combined is hard to, to top. If you, were put, if you did Undertaker and Cena's accomplishments, their tenure, more importantly maybe, the revenues they've generated for the company. It's off the charts. In total, you're talking a lots and lots of money, man. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say they could deserve to go on last, damn right they could, and uh, and, and I think the match would be a, a spectacular story if you tell it with the emotional presentation that their careers combined for sure merit. And that actually reminds me of rockin' Austin from years ago. Like, I love the cruiserweight style, all the flipping around, but rockin' Austin, they didn't need to jump off the top rope and stuff like that, and they headlined two WrestleManias. They headlined a third, but main evented two, but they always produced incredible action, those two. They had chemistry. Mm -hmm. They had pride. They both had strong egos. They both wanted to be the best. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when I was blessed, I got to call all of them. So it was, yeah, I'm with you on that deal, man. They didn't, they had a personal issue. They had a rivalry. They had a rivalry that most people could identify with. And, uh, that's a, that's a real, uh, that's a transferable information. We get it. Okay, I'm a Mets fan, you're a Yankees fan, okay, so there. <laughs> it's a rivalry, right? Yeah, and that's true, I am a Yankees fan. <laughs> but, the, but the story is, you can identify with the tenor of the moment. These two guys have a rivalry. They both believe, the other, they both believe that they're the best. And it's hard to say that they're not. They both can make an argument that they're greatest of all time type thing. Mm-hmm. And so then we get to see them get in the ring and match wits, match athletic skills, and so forth. I'm a, no, I'm, I'm a big, uh, but that's, I wrote this on Twitter the other day, at J-R-S-V-B-Q, that uh, wrestling has always been driven by personal issues. And with so many title changes, et cetera, et cetera, uh, personal issues is your fail-safe. And if you, you have a personal issue with a title involved, the title has equity, then all the better. But the personal issue is the first step in building your foundation, without question. And Rock and Austin had a personal issue in the form of a rivalry. Mm-hmm. And that was just amazing to watch unfold. So I just I think that there's a lot of that's, the thing about WrestleMania that some fans don't, don't probably don't think about it enough. And I can understand it because it's not part that that exciting. But I'll make it quick. It's the fact that. For these guys and ladies, uh, these ladies and gentlemen are performing for many, many. It's a lifelong dream come true. That some of them are in their twenties now, reaching what they believe to be. Oh, I can't, can't get any better than this. Oh, yes, I can. If you've done one, you do two. That's better than two's better than one. You know, I, I don't have any. I've done WrestleManias, but double digits. Hmm. I have a track of them, but. And I'm proud of that, really am. So you know, I'll this year I get a booking, and last year I called the Reigns Undertaker. That was a surprise to me, and uh, I was excited to get the booking. I appreciated the opportunity. I loved it. You know, uh, only wish it had been me and Lawler or me and Heyman. Heyman's without a question, but uh, you know, nonetheless, I bitch about nothing. And it's a, I got my jersey back. I got the team that night. I got to play a little bit, and. So that's cool. So that's how I look at it. So this year, in addition to my show on Friday morning uh, at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn there near the airport in New Orleans, I'm doing, uh, and probably tickets are, there are not many left, uh, but time you hear this, but check out uh, ticketfly.com and they can tell you if there are any seats left. There are only 100 available to start with. And I know that we were just getting real thin here lately, but ticketfly.com can tell you it's called the Slobber Knocker Sessions. But I'm, uh, I'm excited about this uh, whole WrestleMania, and the, and the big capper is the card. I mean, there's a lot of cool things, you know, about WrestleMania. All, this, all the companies are coming in, they do their shows. It's funny to me that some of these independent companies or smaller companies enjoy ripping WWE during the year for creative decisions, and we would never do that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they're certainly uh, the first to get in line when WrestleMania comes around to, to bring their event in because they know that WWE is going to draw uh, a huge throng of people for WrestleMania. 
Right, and that WrestleMania weekend where it seems like all the little independent promotions, they start having shows around that same time as WWE's doing their access and Hall of Fame and stuff. Yeah, so, well, it's just smart, smart marketing. Right. You're loaded with wrestling fans, only so many can go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities to be entertained in your chosen genre. So, uh, you know, why not? But all I'm saying is, I admire them for being a, a entrepreneurial in spirit. I don't admire them for blast for knocking the company that's that could have maybe their biggest weekend of the year. That don't make any sense. That's not being grateful. And that's the other, that's the other thing about the wrestling business. Sometimes fans like to chime in and take sides, and 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 they end up they, they end up knocking their business themselves. Uh, when I've always been the philosophy that I have friends working for every major company, uh, and I am only pleased that they have a job and they're providing for their family. If I can find no reason in my, in my life to want to cheer against another company, uh, to me, it's all, we're all under the same umbrella, and granted, WWE has the lion's share and more of the market. They're the NFL. It's the big league. And, uh, and without a doubt. And I say that with pride because they helped build that company. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I just, I, I know that WrestleMania is a very special time. But no matter if it's a WrestleMania weekend, I'm doing my thing on Friday morning. You know, I know Paul Heyman's got a show on Thursday night. Uh, gosh, there's all kinds of cool things, Hall of Fame. I'm going to go to that on Friday night. Access, I'm going to that Saturday morning. I'm going to WrestleCon Saturday afternoon. I'm having a blast, man. And then Sunday, I'm going to go to WrestleMania. And I, you know, whether I want to uh, call a match or not, it's not been confirmed, but I'll be at the building because I want to go watch the show. The worst thing that can happen to me is I go up in a suite, put my feet up, have a cocktail, and watch wrestling from a luxury suite in the dome. Mm-hmm. If I can figure a little bitch about that, then you need to take me home. You know? <laughs> so I, I, it's just that big a deal because it, I was around when we started running the domes again. You know, all the guys I hired or my team hired uh, were, were, you know, kicking ass. And so I'm proud of them to be able to look at some of those dome stadiums for WrestleMania, those crowd shots, those grandiose uh, panoramic shots, and think, you know, I used to sit right down there when we started this whole journey all over again, uh, going to, to the to stadiums. That's a big deal, man. And, you know, it's like the thing in Saudi Arabia they're doing. WrestleMania is so timely and upon us. The Saudi Arabia deal has really, really been discussed. I don't know a hell of a lot about it other than I know it's going to be a, it's going to have a huge television footprint. Uh, and that it's a 50 plus thousand seat stadium that I assume they plan on selling out. Definitely. The biggest Royal Rumble, I believe you referred to, the 50-man Rumble that they're going to plan to do. Um, But that reminds me of uh, last year when they were in the Middle East, and I think it was Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks making a mark, and the crowd was chanting, this was hope. Yeah. Well, you know, the culture's... I'm the last guy you probably want to discuss those type things with culture-wise, because I'm ignorant of a lot of it, to be frank about it. Uh, and I don't want to try to talk like some people, like I know what the hell I'm talking about, <clears throat> and I don't. But, you know, they're, 
Right. But they're trying to get that passed. So they're making some progress. And I know it sounds like very little progress, but it's progress. I was just talking about like how WWE pretty much leaves its footprint, leaves a mark everywhere, has so much influence. And, I mean, there's no other... WrestleMania is so special. It's like there's no greater time during the wrestling calendar year than that. No, it's, it's March Madness for basketball fans. Right. Um, you know, it's, a, it's the NFL playoffs for us football hardcores. Mm-hmm. It's the whole season for college football. It's, it's the best of what that sport has to offer in that given season. When you look at everything that WrestleMania has spawned, has created, you know, the access, the superstore, uh, all the, I mean, we can, can you imagine being a fan from another, especially if you're from another country that didn't get to experience this WWE stuff that often? And you're a lifelong fan and you travel from wherever you live and you get to New Orleans and you get to access and you see, you're like, a, you're like in Utopia. It's, it's like wrestling a mecca. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's everything you dreamed it would be. The exhibits, the costumes, the atmosphere, the matches, the noise, the ambiance, the store where you can buy all the JR stuff you want. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? A brother's got a... You can't sell goods out in an empty wagon, but I know a lot of people come to WrestleMania and stock up on my stuff, and they, put, they ship it home in their check baggage. Definitely. Um, and, of course, you get to see all the superstars and all the legends. And speaking of which, Hall of Fame, this year's class, what do you think? Uh, good. I like it. I, I, uh, I love the uh, recent addition of Hillbilly Jim. What a sweetheart of a guy he is. He's a guy that's kept great name identity and awareness to his demographic. And he, and he was real, and he was, and I mean this respectfully, but... He was at the height of his popularity, what, 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, 30 years ago. And he's still beloved this day in 2018. So uh, he's, he's, he's done right by his audience. Uh, and good dude, naturally funny, good guy. He's a good guy. More of a gimmick-type character with a big beard and overalls and stuff, but beloved to say the least. And he fulfilled a very important role in that uh, in that run there uh, for WWF at the time. Uh, you know, Goldberg is one of my guys. I, I just took the world of him. Uh, I refereed high school football games he played in when he was in, Tul- in Tulsa Edison High back yeah. in the day. He was the number one defensive lineman, defensive player in the state. And everybody thought he would go to OU because he went to high school in Tulsa. And he ended up going to Georgia. And uh, I asked him one time, I said, how in the hell did you get away? <laughs> how much off? I said, what, what made you, Georgia's a great school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they beat us at Roseville this year in overtime. And, uh, you know, that's Tony Schiavone's uh, place of employment, uh, partially, anyway. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of respect for them. But, you know, I said, what? He said, it was the whiskey and the women. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, that's just, just and Billy's a smart guy. He's very cerebral, but you know he's a he did well there, and so he'll do the, the uh, all the things great with him. And he he's fun to hear him go in the Dudleys and got him. Read the results. Mm-hmm. Read the resume. Oh, and again, comes back to nothing. They did it too with tenure. They hung around. They survived. They evolved. They redeveloped. They reinvented. And 
so they're going to go in, and I think that's cool. Uh, who else is uh, going in? Ivory. Oh, yeah. Well, Ivory's a whole different deal. Uh, uh, Kid Rock, he's a big fan. We've used yep. his music over the years from time to time. He's, he respects the wrestling audience. He's kind of like me. He's always been a fan. He never, never did go away from him, luckily. Uh, I'm sure he didn't watch as much as he'd like to because of his schedule. But he's like me. You know, you wear your DVR's ass out and you watch what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ivory is, is, was one of the most unsung heroes in the entire locker room. And obviously, specifically the women's side of the locker room uh, back in the Attitude Era. She was the consummate team player. Her skill level was much higher than many of her peers that she was being booked to make look good. And that's very challenging. It can be very frustrating, uh, you know, fulfilling that role. Uh, I thought she was brilliant on the... uh, what, the, what was it called? The right to censor? Right to censor, yeah. She was a terrific heel, especially with that stable. Yeah, she was perfect for that role. She looked it. She sounded it. But she was so talented. And uh, I'm, I'm ecstatic that she's going to the Hall of Pain. She's just a, a wonderful person. And like I said, I managed that roster, and I hired those kids. My, our team did. All those people. And to tell you that we had we had some women that were they evolved to become really great, but in the early days they had to have a, a, a leader in the ring to help them get through. That's what the business is about. There's nothing wrong with me saying that, by the way. Mm-hmm. It should be about that. And so, uh, but Ivory, another one that did that, performed that role was Jackie Moore. Jackie, Jackie. in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but she was, she had to work with a lot of people that weren't nearly as good as her. And, you know, uh, it's frustrating because you're not getting to show everybody what your best is. You can't do your best with somebody that's, uh, that's, that's green. It becomes dangerous and sloppy. Mm-hmm. Ain't worth it. So, uh, she's great. So the class overall, every year I'm kind of amazed this whole process, to be honest with you, saying, well, how the hell do you top that WrestleMania? And somehow they do. I said to myself, I was in that group. I was helping put those cards together. How do we, I don't know how we're going to beat this one, boys. And you know, the answer is, oh, well, we're, we're, but we're going to find a way. Damn right. We did. So it just keeps it growing, you know. But the Hall of Fame list is an interesting thing because every year you say, well, who's next? Uh, and, you know, I don't know the process of that. I, I got in. I went in with Dusty headlined our class. Right, no seven. I, 2007, yeah. It was a, at least it seems like it's the other day. <laughs> so anyway, so it's, it's interesting to see how the whole weekend evolves and how they continue to make it special. And uh, it's the, I, don't, I don't know, I, I just, it's one of the happiest weekends to me that I can experience because I, I see so many people I haven't seen, a lot of my talents, a lot of people I worked with. Uh, you know, families. The, and that's the other thing. You know, we we were close from the personal side. You know, you get to know the families, spouses, and things. So that's always fun. So kids are grown. It's just a reunion type deal. Mm-hmm. If you take it that way. Now, if you just 
If I take it, I'm going to go to New Orleans and party for four or five days. But that's not my, that ain't my, that's my younger days. I might have tried that. But <laughs> nowadays, that's probably not very likely, to be honest with you. And actually, speaking of WrestleMania, they just had the press conference. I was just watching a couple hours ago. They announced WrestleMania 35 taking place next year in New York, New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. So that should be something. Yeah, man. That's, uh, anyway, that's the, here's the thing everybody's going to talk about. It's uh, the weather. Oh, yeah. What about the weather? What, you know, what about the weather? It is what it is, man. Yeah. It is what it is. So, but that's the market. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta have a pulse in that market. Because, I mean, think of how cool that is. If you've never been to WrestleMania, and you've never been to the States, and your first trip to New York City, so you have all the New York City has to offer, plus all the WWE stuff going on. Pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Nothing like WrestleMania weekend. Uh, no, it's good. It's taking a life of its own. It's got its own identity. I'm surprised somebody hasn't done a full-blown documentary just of the whole of the weekend and do it in a way that you can you can show everybody that was there and how expansive it is, how much variety it is, because it's almost like a uh, oh I don't know like a, a I don't want to say a circus but some kind of traveling a variety of traveling troops bring their show to one market once a year to uh, perform. No matter if you like their music or, or the other guy's music the best, it's still music. So if you're a music lover, then you're you're in utopia, as I mentioned earlier. Because it's all there. The meet and greets, the Q&As, the autograph things, the matches, shopping, people watching, getting selfies, all that good stuff. <laughs> so really, it's a... And New Orleans is a party city. It's a very... Festive, you know, uh, to me, I've been going there since, you know, 70s. Very festive and very celebratory. There's always something going on. It's a, it's, a, it's a party town. So if you're thirsty for a cocktail at 3 in the morning, no worries. Uh, and I guess to wrap things up and put, go full circle, uh, Jim, last question. What advice would you give to somebody a youngster who's looking to be the next Jim Ross or Jerry Lawler or Paul Heyman on commentary? Yeah. Well, I would say it's a, it's not an easy journey, uh, The but there are ways to get there. But it won't be easy and it will not, it will not be traditional. Uh, what you need to do is, if you're looking at WWE side, uh, you need to have some experience within the field. You know, I, I can see in the next wave of announcement they hire that they'll all be probably uh, degreed, college degreed. Mm-hmm. They'll have uh, a few years of broadcast experience, either in a small market doing news or sports or traffic or wherever that can may be. Uh, they'll have some experience doing some audio works. So they get a little gig working at the local radio station or doing some voiceovers or some reading some commercials or whatever, all that stuff can be done. So all of a sudden, you're, you're making yourself a reel, a demo tape that's uh, succinct and, and full of sound bites. It's probably, you know, I'm two minutes long at most. And you uh, have something on hand to show uh, WWE when they, you know, they, their, their website, I think, has a, has a, addresses that, a 
I've always been <laughs> able to get a job uh, more often than not. But I think uh, it might advise to them, you got to get practical experience. you got to develop some work habits. Are you going to be a good employee? Because I'm going to ask somebody, did he come to work on time or she? You know, were they diligent? Did they try to get better? Did they bring any innovation to the process? Did everything stay exactly as it was when they got here, when they left? There was no movement in the uh, execution. So you find out about that, and and but you got to get on, you got to get on camera, and you get on camera any damn way you can. That's that's moral. That you would want to show a program director. Obviously, I'm going to be facetious, but you know, uh, whether you're, the point is whether you're doing you're, the, you're doing a report, uh, a news, a local news report. And they don't need to see the news report. They just need to see you get to it. They just need to see you set it up and pitch to it. I don't give a shit what the what the report is. I'm gonna hear you. Mm-hmm. So you you gotta get some stuff on tape, and then you and if you can do audio work, as I mentioned, you know, there's a lot of small markets and other markets that are looking for volunteers. Uh, you know, looking for uh, uh, part time, whatever. If you get if you finally get into a small market, for example, a lot of guys start out at. You can you can find your way onto the local radio because it's a small market. They know who you are there. So, uh, well, that's the deal to me. You gotta the education is important, and then the practical experience, and then and don't be afraid to uh, submit your resume with with the proper information because they may see something in you that you or I don't see in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a good uh, it's a it's a that's the way I look at it. But you see, there's and the reason I say it's a hard place to be. It's not because of WWE. It's because there's not many positions available. Right. For any company. Right? So that role is limited to start with. But I, they have more announcers on staff than any wrestling company in history. So they're doing their share to keep us guys working, which I appreciate greatly. But the, the point is, it's a, it's a tenuous job. I went, every, I went to work every day looking over my shoulder wondering if I could be better than I was the last time out. And I never rested on my laurels. I never was a big fan of my own work. So I, it was always that insecurity, you know. I'm sure it had something to do with self-esteem and stuff like that. Well, that's for Dr. Phil to address, not me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, uh, that's kind of how I, I looked at that, basically. Been talking with... Jim Ross, legendary wrestling announcer, Hall of Famer for WWE, commentator right now for New Japan. Jim, if you want to plug uh, what's going on in New Orleans one more time, your show in New Orleans, the Slobberknocker Sessions. Uh, you bet. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, the, the Friday morning of WrestleMania week, uh, I will be doing my Slobberknocker Sessions show at the uh, Hilton Gardens. And the tickets are available at uh, Ticketfly.com. My show is, is one, it's only 100 tickets that have been available. As we are recording this, I have a few left, a handful. But Ticketfly.com can tell you, yeah, your name about all that. And uh, well, you, get a, you get a free book that I'll sign for you, and a photo ops and autographs. And then we have a real neat Q&A because, again, the audience is 100 people. So everybody can get in the conversation. It's easier to participate. You get, you're more involved. It's more personal. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. I did one in Philly uh, to try it out. And I love the format. And the audiences are really like it a lot, too. And they feel comfortable there. You know, everybody kind of got to know each other. Because you wait in line to get your picture taken. 
or your autograph, whatever, and you know, you talk to your buddy in the line with you. You're all there for you're all there to hear me do my thing and to, and to interact, which I'm honored to be a part of. But you know, it's a uh, you find guys talking. It's easier to talk to your, your people in line than about any other line you go to, unless you're at a will call window at a ball game and everybody's a you know a, an Eagles fan or a whatever. You know, then you got you tell them about, tell them about their attire. But at my show, you're already you're ticketed. You're already in, so we know why you're here. And we all got that in common. So it's it's a fun deal. I really love it. And that's why I'm glad I did the went to the hundred people thing because it's just it was a number we wanted to try. It really worked out well. So ticketfly.com, Friday morning. Saturday morning I'll be at Access for WWE from ten to noon. And then Saturday afternoon I'll be at WrestleCon from one to three at the uh, Imperial Wrestling Revolution table. Uh at there on Twitter at uh, IW Revolution. It's a little wrestling promotion based here in Oklahoma. A friend of mine runs it. And, uh, you know, I just try to get back a little when I can. Help them out uh, on off-camera off stuff. Just advice and somebody to talk to that's been there. And I want to see the guy do well. And There's a place for those shows in small markets because those markets are not serviced. So you, you, you know what your expectations are. You know, mm-hmm. there's not a big population. You're not going to do... You do 700 people, you have a good night. That's a good night. Thousands of people, you know, you're doing backflips. So it's just a, it's just fun, you know. It's back to the old days for me, and I enjoy that. So, And I get to mentor some young guys that want to learn more about the business. So it's all good. So, And if people follow me at Twitter, at JRSBVQ. Uh, Sean Creedle runs my Facebook page. Uh, that's Jim Ross BVQ. So... I said I can do it now telephone. But anyway, I, mm-hmm. uh, Twitter's good. Uh, I'll keep you updated on Twitter. My new podcast is going to return soon. The first show will be uh, after, right after uh, post-WrestleMania week. So uh, after WrestleMania that week, uh, and we'll have the dropping of the new podcast. Awesome. And we should be announcing our new home uh, very, very soon. So all good news, all, all uh, leading into the one of the great weekends of the year. Definitely. Jim, it's been an honor. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. You have a great day. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Once again, a huge, huge thank you to good old JR, Jim Ross, one of the best announcers in professional wrestling, WWE Hall of Famer, one of the voices of my childhood, for sitting down, talking with me about everything that's going on. It was an absolute honor. I can't wait for WrestleMania. It's just a few weeks away. If you're going down to New Orleans for WrestleMania 34 and you're going to a slobber knocker sessions, enjoy it. It's going to be a blast. And just if you're going down to New Orleans for WrestleMania weekend in general, enjoy it. It is going to be absolutely great. Can't wait. Uh, again, a big thank you to JR. And hopefully we get some more people to talk to on future editions of this podcast. But for now, that's going to do it for Combat Mania. Go like us on Facebook and Twitter, at Combat Mania UD. Go give JR a follow, too. Uh, it's at JRSBBQ on Twitter. And go like Jim Ross's Facebook page as well. Go like the Undetermined Podcast Network itself, at the UD Network on Facebook and Twitter. If you enjoyed my interview with Jim Ross and you enjoyed Combat Mania, but you want to get a sports treatment 
outside of combat sports like baseball and football, you want that kind of talk, I have a podcast I do with Nick Federa and Nick Morgerson, the president of the Undetermined Podcast Network. That's the Unspoken Podcast at the UDUP on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. And actually, go follow Combat Mania at Combat Mania UD on Periscope as well. And go like and follow all the rest of the Undetermined Podcast Network accounts. And that's going to do it. For this edition of Combat Mania, I'm Tom Albano. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Combat Mania, Cheap Seat Sports Production, Party Undetermined Podcast Network. Good night, everybody.